In this week's Parsha, Parsha Vayishlach, we're taught of the reunion between Yaakov and Esav. And before they are reunited, the Torah tells us and gives us a little bit of a hint into the psyche of Yaakov Avinu. The Torah says, Vayira Yaakov Ma'od. Yaakov was very afraid. Vayetzer lo. And um, he had anxiety. Vayachat asa'am. He divided his nation, the people, Asher Ito, that were with him, basically his family, his children, and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two different camps. So the puzzle tells us that when Yaakov realized that Esav was approaching with an army to confront him, he became very afraid. He immediately began preparing for this confrontation by making sure that he was ready on multiple fronts. We know that um, a battle was a distinct possibility, so he shored up his army. He knew that he needed Hashem with him, now maybe more than ever before, so he cried out to Hashem in tefillah. And lastly, he did tshuva, to make sure that there was nothing from his past that he could be punished for, to be held accountable. And we see that fear, obviously we know it can be debilitating at times, but it also, in this case, it had the ability to motivate Yaakov in remarkable ways. Now you can't help but wonder, why was Yaakov Avinu so afraid? Vayira Yaakov Ma'od, he was extremely frightened. After all, hadn't Hashem promised him that he would protect him? You know, if you took him later after where the Torah tells us that Yaakov was super scared, Yaakov even makes reference to the promise, to the Havtacha of Hashem, that he clearly was aware of it. He recalls Hashem telling him that he will do good by him and make his, de- make his descendants kechol hayam, like the sand of the sea. So the question is, if Yaakov knew and he believed that Hashem would protect him. Why was he so afraid? Why did he have to go through this whole process of preparation when he knew that ultimately it was all up to Hashem? Hakol bidei shamayim. So Rabbi Yisrael Salanter answers this question with a mushal. He says, if a person was hired to do a job with the promise of payment, that payment can only be expected if the job is completed. It doesn't matter what promises were made if the worker doesn't actually do the thing that he was hired to do if he doesn't hold up his end of the deal. No one would ever still expect to receive payment or receive the reward if they never actually did what they promised to do. So Rabbi Yisrael Salanter explains that Yaakov, he knew what Hashem had promised him, but maybe he didn't hold up his end of the deal. Maybe he was the worker who never completed the job. And even though he was promised this great reward, if he didn't hold up his end, he wasn't entitled to it. This was the fear of Yaakov Avinu. This was the fear that the Pasuk refers to. He wasn't afraid of Esav, says Rabbi Sol Salanter, as much as he was afraid that perhaps he didn't hold up his end of the deal and therefore wasn't entitled to Hashem's protection. Rav Henech Leibowitz explains that this fear of Yaakov was actually very healthy and productive. The Medrash tells us that there is a clear connection between Yaakov Avinu and his preparation in this week's Parsha to another very similar fear that the descendants of Yaakov Avinu would have centuries later in the times of Purim. When Haman's decree to wipe out the entire Jewish people was issued, the Jews of the time looked back into their past for a blueprint as to how to handle the situation. And they identified with Yaakov Avinu, his handling of the situation with, with Haman's ancestor, Esav. However, they left with a very different conclusion. They figured they were too smart for their own good. They figured that even though Hashem had promised Yaakov that he had nothing to worry about and that Hashem would be with him and protect him, nonetheless, we see that Yaakov Avinu was still very much afraid. But they, however, were given no such assurance by Hashem. 
And they were convinced that Hashem had abandoned them. This lack of emuna led them to be miyayish, to completely give up hope of being redeemed. And instead of being inspired by Yaakov Avinu and how much effort he put in to prepare for his dangerous encounter with Esav, they actually used his actions to justify their feelings of yeish. Because maybe he only did those things because he felt like he had to put in hishtadlus, his own efforts, in rectifying the situation because he had that promise in his back pocket from Hashem that it was all going to be okay. But had he not had that reassurance, like they did not have in the times of Purim, then he would have also been miyayish. Rav Leibowitz explains that these distinct approaches are indicative of different ways that people handle adversity and the different ways that fear can manifest itself. We see that one was constructive and maybe even restorative, while the other was destructive. By conceding to their overwhelming fear of Haman's decrees, the Jews of Persia became so depressed that they were completely miyayish. They gave up hope. Think about it for a second. They had Esther as the queen. That's an ace up their sleeve. The queen herself was Jewish. Yet we know that they had to be compelled to even fast for her when she was going to approach Achashverosh. They had to be convinced to daven in the first place for Yeshua, for redemption. At a time where they should have been organizing Tehillim groups, creating extra learning initiatives, they could have been preparing for battle, doing tshuva, all of the things that we do in times of crisis. They weren't doing any of that until Mordechai organized it. It seems like their initial response to the, to the decree of Haman was yeish, was to give up hope. Their fear had paralyzed them. But on the other hand, Yaakov's fear was restorative. His fear inspired immediate action on multiple fronts. His tefillah got better. He worked on himself. He did tshuva. He arranged his camp in order to be more militarily ready for a potential attack. Yaakov Avinu took the fear that he was experiencing and he used it as fuel to take care of the things that he knew he had to work on, to shore up his camp on many different fronts. Says Rav Leibowitz, this is how we're supposed to respond in times of tsar, in times of pain. Do we sink into despair because of how challenging things are? Or do we see it as a wake-up call from Hashem to be better, to daven more, to care more about Achenu B'nai Yisrael, to look inward and do tshuva and start asking ourselves how we can be better? What does Hashem want from me at this time? Hashem wants more tzedakah. Donate more to causes that help keep the uh, ruach, the spirit of Am Yisrael alive. To never give up hope. To remember that we are an Am HaNetzach, an eternal nation that will never be destroyed. Because just as Hashem promised, He will never abandon us. These past months, we've been faced with this exact question. We have a legitimate existential fear. How do we handle it? So, of course, this question is drastically different for Jews in Eretz Yisrael and Jews outside of Eretz Yisrael. But speaking as someone in America, I've been searching for this exact question. What is my contribution to Am Yisrael at this time? Two weeks ago, at the rally in Washington, this question seemed to be at the forefront. Does Hashem want us to go and lobby support from our amazing, wonderful country, America? Support that we need so badly from a financial perspective, but more than finances, just being in our corner in this war. We need America. We also could lobby them to pressure Hamas to release the hostages. Or is such a rally not the way we should go about it? Are we putting too much faith 
in our own actions and not enough in Hashem? Are we aligning ourselves with speakers that otherwise don't necessarily share our values and ethics? Maybe the better course of action would have been to stay home and daven or learn. These are valid concerns. So my Rebbe, Rav Meir Torsky, who was in attendance, along with myself and more than 300,000 fellow Jews, he addressed this concern and he cited the Ramban in Parshas Vayishlach about how Yaakov Avinu is the blueprint for how to handle ourselves, Lidoros, in this situation. The Ramban points out that Yaakov Avinu did not sit back and rely on his own sidkus, his own righteousness, or the promises that Hashem had made him. Rather, he took to action. He used his fear in a constructive way, making sure that he, could, he did anything he could to help prepare himself and his family for this danger. Chazal teach us that Parshas Vayishlach is Parshas Galus. It's the blueprint for exile. Yaakov Avinu teaches us the appropriate way to approach these challenges. Challenges that we have been forced to face far too many times in our history. Our fear has to be constructive. It has to be restorative. It's meant to inspire us into action. Instead of becoming despondent or resigning to the fact that things will never get better, we have to realize that our fear is not dependent on external factors or other armies or other nations. It's more about our own relationship with Hashem. And it must inspire us to enhance our tefillah, enhance our performance of mitzvot, enhance our limadat Torah, enhance our avas Yisrael, our love for fellow Jews, enhance our advocacy, to up our game in any way that we can and plug into the power of Am Yisrael. This is what Yaakov Avinu did in our parsha, and it's what we have had to do throughout our history. Amir Tashem, may we be zochet to follow the blueprint that Yaakov Avinu set and internalize what our tafkid is at this time to put in whatever hishtadlus we can and enhance our avodas Hashem. Because now more than ever, what Kla Yisrael needs from us is to work on becoming the best versions of ourselves. Good Shabbos.